Let's go. We're yeah, going we to be learning Geras HaTshuva. Geras HaTshuva is something really important to learn now before Rosh Hashanah. Chassidim learned this in general, this time of El. And uh, before we get into it, um, I just want to point out the style we're going to be learning this. I'm going to uh, quote various parts of the section that we're learning, but I'm not going to go through every word inside. Um, we're going to begin with chapter one, but again, we're not going to go through every every word. Before we get into chapter one, um, let's first talk about in general what Igarisa Tshuva is about. Igarisa Tshuva, as the truth is all of Tanya, expresses one point. It's the point of Chassidus, the point of Yiddishkeit, and that is that uh, Yiddishkeit, Judaism, isn't just something that is about behavior. It's not something that just that we, that we do. Rather, Yiddishkeit is something that we are. In section one of Tanya, the Alt Rebbe talks about the Nisham of a Jew, and the Nisham of a Jew is his essence, and the various soul powers the Nisham has, and the soul powers the animal soul has, and the war between the godly soul and the animal soul. And how the godly soul is able to overcome the animal soul and to transform it. And the, the focus is how this is who you are. You, know, you are your neshama. That is your real reality. In section two of Tanya, the Al-Trebbe discusses the mindset that's behind this perspective. And it goes through what it means to believe in God, what it means to, what creation means. And even, even after creation, a Jew believes how all creation is there's nothing really besides Hashem. The Chassidim relate that the al wanted to make Shaykh Ramuna before the first section of Tanya. He wanted to uh, put that in first because that's the basis, that's the foundation. First, know what you believe in. Now we can talk about um, uh, how to how to go with that faith. But the altar actually left a, a hint, even though he decided to put section one first and section two second, he still put in something inside the uh, Tanya that alludes that section two should have been first. Uh, in Chinuch Cotton, uh, um, he puts over there as we as we have explained, uh, referring to. Um, so it sounds like Sheikh Hamuna is, is first. Anyways, the point is that Tanya talks about who you are, not about things that you do. Judaism isn't just something that you do. Judaism is something that you are. And so to Ngeresa the Al-Trebbe's, one of the Al-Trebbe's major points isn't that, is that Shuva isn't just something that you do. Shuva is something that you are. Deb actually used the expression on Mimer, a Jew, essence of a Jew is tshuva. That's who you are. Tshuva is who you are. It's not something that you do. It's not something that, that's part of uh, your behavior. Your essence is to return to Hashem. That's what you're about. That's what Jews are. Jews are people that return to Hashem. They want to be close to Hashem. So he titles this the letter of tshuva. Why does he use the word letter? Why is that significant? The first section of Tanya, Lakutte Marm gathered sayings, is about things that the Altima told individuals 
in Yechidus, in private audiences, about their various questions they had in their service of Hashem. So it's gathered sayings. That's one interpretation of gathered sayings. Also, gathered sayings is referring to uh, the uh, sayings that Alter heard from Baruch Hashem Tev, and the Magid, and the Shalah. It's called the gate of faith. It tells you how to get to faith. Here, the Alter uses the word letter. Why is letters over here used? Yeres HaKedish okay, are all actual letters that was sent. But this is a section on Tanya, and yet it's called a letter. Why is it called a letter? And the answer is, is that a letter is sent to a distant place, and a letter is something which is um, transient. It's sent, and it's done, and it's about something specific. <clears throat> In a similar way, <clears throat> the goal of the Gerset is not only to address uh, the Bainini, the one who has never sinned, never will sin again, uh, the, the goal of Gersh Shuva is to, is to reach the Jew who is in a distant place. The Jew who has made mistakes. And to help the Jew go from the distant place where he is and help him come back home. And that's why the author calls it a, a letter to underscore that our presence in a distant place isn't our, isn't our essence. Uh, we are really, we're meant to be home. That's our home is our is our uh, is our neshama is our ter, is teremitzis and our mistakes aren't our home. That's not who we are. We make mistakes, but that's not, that's not who we are. So to underscore this out, because this the the letter of tshuva to say that, of course, Chassidus says that tshuva doesn't just mean to fix mistakes. Chassidus says tshuva means, as I mentioned before, to return to Hashem. But he also is addressing actual mistakes, and since we're addressing actual mistakes. Therefore, the author says, this is just a letter. This is not who you are. You must don't identify yourself by your mistakes. We, we were uh, for writing yesterday about, um, I think Zev's patience was, was was gone after my first 25 minutes of the first segment of the brain. So I think Zev heard this part, so I'll talk to you again. Um, it says in Halakha that uh, Gemara says, if you try to buy fruit that, that does not exist yet, you try to buy the fruit that a tree will, will produce. The halacha is you don't acquire the fruit. Try to buy the fruit you have. I have a uh, lemon tree over here and a kumquat tree, and, a, uh, and you want to buy the, the, the orange tree. You want to buy the oranges that the tree will produce. Uh, the halacha is you cannot, you don't acquire them because they haven't yet arrived in the world. But you can acquire the tree for its production. You can acquire the fruit of the tree and you can acquire the tree for its production. What's the difference between acquiring the tree for its production that works and acquiring the fruit of the tree that doesn't work? I mean, the fruit of the tree is a goal. Who wants the tree's ability to produce fruit? But if you aim for the fruit, you end up with nothing. You aim for the tree, you get everything. What does that mean? Fruit, in this analogy, Hasidim uses halacha as an analogy for our goal in being where we're supposed to be. If your whole goal is just based on mitzvahs and terah and, and action and change, so you'll get somewhere, but it's, you're not really going to be able to make an acquisition. You're not really going to, to make a lasting change just with the mitzvahs themselves because you have to start off with you're a Jew and this is where you belong, this is who you are. And when you start off with that perspective, so then the fruit, you get the fruit too. But you have to start off with I'm a yid, and this belongs to me. That's the difference between the fruit or the tree. 
you aim for the, the fruit means the mitzvahs. I want to, I'm Elul's coming, I want to make sure I'm doing all the mitzvahs right. That's great. But the first thing you have to say before you get to the month of El, you want to do things right. Who are you? You're a Yid, you're a part of the Jewish people, and you didn't got the turf, Hashem Har Sinai, and you are there with everybody, and you, you're going to get there. And this is who you are. You have to start off with the good. You have to start off with saying that you are good and you're part of this. And then you'll be able to get to where you need to get to. That's why the author calls it the letter of true. Everyone follow the analogy? It's an important analogy. It's important. It's a fundamental thing in Yiddish guy. You get it or you don't get it? You get it? Okay. So that's why the author calls us the letter of true to tell us that, that he's going to help us get to where we get come home. It's a letter to you. You're far away. I'm giving you this letter to help you come home. But this is, you're not where you're, you're not, you're not at home right now. But, that, that, but you have a home. You belong at home. And you're going to get home. Okay. So the Alter Rebbe uh, begins the Gerset Shuvah with a quote from a Bryce. It, it starts off with the word Tanya. And uh, a little bit of acrobatics uh, used for the word Tanya. If you look at the Gemara, you wouldn't necessarily find the word Tanya. If you, if you use the Enyakiv, the Enyakiv is the compilation of all the Agadic, uh, all the Agadic texts. And that particular text, it has the word Tanya, but it's not the common one you have in Gemara. So here, the Altar uses the word Tanya. And also in the first section of Tanya, Altar begins with the word Tanya. Why should you start with the word Tanya? If that's also there, it's not the, the common, the only text of the Talmud with the word Tanya. Why does he choose this text? And why does he call a book Tanya? So one explanation is that the word Tanya is the name of a klippa. It's the name of something. It's a force of evil that specifically leeches onto religious people and gives them arrogance in their Yiddishkeit and makes them not get what the Yiddishkeit is about. So to counter this klippa, where, where is that? Where did you get that? I want to I read that one inside. That's, that's some bold. I think it's in Lessons in Tanya. The beginning of Lessons in Tanya. Check out over there. Really? Uh, right. I read it in the Yiddish, Yerim Besefer Tanya. But uh, I think it's also quoted in the translation, Lessons in Tanya. should be. Um, another meaning of the word Tanya. Tanya is the same letters as the word Eson. Eson means old. Eson means hard, and Eson means um, strong. And the Neshama is called old. Eson is the name of the soul. Avram Avinu was also, also called Eson. Eson is the name of the soul. Why is a soul called Eson? Because a soul is old. The soul exists before the world exists. Hashem made the, soul, the souls of Israel before everything else. God's thought about Israel preceded everything else. And we're called hard and strong because in Neshama is a force that nothing can stop. So by studying Tanya, that expresses, that brings out to the fore that strength, that hardness in your Neshama, you express that by studying Tanya. It takes how, away how that. How do you connect Eitan to Tanya? Because Tanya is the same letters as Esam. So second reason why we call it Tanya is because Tanya is letters of the word Esam, which is the name of the soul, the strength and the hardness and oldness of the soul. The oldness, again, is if not, because the Neshama exists before the world exists. So that's, we want to summon that uh, Neshama energy, and you get that Neshama energy just by studying Tanya. Even now, there's a lot of things that happen 
by studying Tanya, Derech Skula, without, without you necessarily assimilating information and causing you to change, the fact you're studying Tanya itself does something. There is, and, that, and that's, what, that's why Alper titles the Tanya to tell you it gives you something. It reveals your Esau and your Shema, and it also takes away that clipper just because you're studying Tanya. There's something in the Sefer itself, in the words of Tanya, studying Tanya itself, it does something. As a previous Rebbe once remarked, when a Jew says a line of Tanya, it causes purity. I think he said 40 vyorst away. Vyorst is some kind of Russian kilometer. Um, 40 vyorst away is affected just by a Jew saying word of Tanya. So, what? How? What is? Rabbi, is this the, like the this is the rated R version of Lessons in Tanya? They they didn't uh, I didn't get access to. Uh, you know you know it's not there. There's a good five pages of intro there. You should be look, look through it. Maybe, maybe it is there. Okay, maybe it's not. It could be it's not. I I, I will um, um, but it's definitely in the Yiddish version. Shurim Sefer Tanya. But in okay. the beginning of the whole the whole set, or in the yeah, beginning yeah, of the Gersa Chuvah. We need the whole set. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, this also applies to Gersh as well, but Gersh uh, it, 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 it also brings the word Tanya. Rabbi Din Steinzel, he says he knew he knew he he was he joined the uh, Hasidic ranks of scorning arrogance in a big way. He was very against arrogance and falsehood, and then I know some Torah scholars who are like bald peacocks. They're like bald peacocks. They, they look like ugly chickens. Anyways, that's what arrogance does to uh, to Yiddish guy. It makes it, it, makes, it makes it beautiful peacocks look like ugly bald chickens. No offense to uh, chickens. Sorry. Anyways, if you're politically correct in this in this uh, city. Anyways, what so, about uh, offense to bald people? Huh? Never mind. Okay. So the Tanya, the Gerset Shuva begins with a quote from the end of Tractate Yuma. Tractate Yuma um, actually ends a few pages later, and the author specifically calls this the end of Tractate Yuma, as we'll see in a second. But before we do, let's go over what, what, where, where, what he's quoting from. What happens? There is a man near Masim and Kharish. Masim and Kharish, he asks Abelazar ben Akasha. He asks Abelazar ben Akasha. He asks Abelazar ben I heard that Rabbi Shmuel says <clears throat> there are three ways to cause atonement. Is this true? Uh, sorry, I heard there's four ways to cause atonement. Is this true? Lezim and Isaiah says there are three ways and tshuva accompanies each way. There are th- actually three ways. There are three ways and tshuva comes with each one. So the, the three kinds of kapara that, that are discussed here. There's a kapara for a positive mitzvah. We do true for a positive mitzvah. So the altar says, Mara says, you, without moving, you are immediately forgiven. Then there is true um, for a lesase, true for a negative commandment, and true for, for negative commandments. And then the altar says that in addition to true, you have to wait. The tshuva holds back the punishment, and then Yom Kippur comes and causes there to be atonement for the lasses. So Mrs. Assey causes an immediate uh, uh, forgiveness, and the lasses uh, causes the punishment to be 
hung in the balance. There's no, no the court does not administer punishment if you've done shuva for a negative commandment. But Yom Kippur is what's needed to actually cause the actually cause the atonement. And then there is Krisis Mrs. Besden, and there are the more severe sins, the sins which are are punishable by kares or death. And the altar says Shuva and Yom Kippur, um, they hold the um, the uh, they, they hold the heavenly court at, at bay. It's from administering the full punishment of the actual penalty of death, etc. And Yusudim Amarkin, and pain cleanses the, the neshama in the mean, it, it cleanses the per- person from these from these sins. All right, it seems like uh, all we need to do is just have remorse, give tzedakah, and show up in Yom Kippur, and then we're good. Or do I have uh, it all wrong? Obviously, yes, you try not to do that Avera, again, whatever that Avera is, but as long as you feel bad, you try not to do it again. You give as much tzedakah as you can, as many t- Polish or whatever those Polish coins are, a.k.a. just keep on writing checks and show up on Yom Kippur, say your al and that is all. You do it again next year with hopefully a little less of than the year before. Seems to be working for you, Zeb. Let me ask you a question, Zeb. Is true for Averis? Or is true about coming, or, or is true coming closer to Hashem? Yeah, um, it's the, I think it's one and the same thing. You realize that you separated yourself from Hashem with that Avera. You severed that little thread of rope that's probably intertwined so many times over and over again. So you got these big knots between you and Hashem, but it's a stronger rope. So you go to, to, to Shul and Yom Kippur to try to reestablish that relationship with you and Hashem. I mean, isn't it one and the same thing? Yeah. Maybe you've been pickled in Hasidic philosophy and you're unaware of another perspective, but it sounded like you were echoing another perspective when you started off before. The Altarebbe emphasizes over here that we're not talking about fixing accounts. We're not talking about the specific blemishes that happen in your neshama and how those specific blemishes are rectified through truth. We're talking about moving from a state of rejecting Hashem's sovereignty towards a state of accepting Hashem as your king. We're not talking about tshuva for a sin, we're talking about returning to Hashem. This approach has many different um, nuances and details of, of, of what, what that means, but that's the underlying theme. You're not trying to fix something that you did wrong, You're trying to move away from casting Hashem off as your king and Deciding that, that he is your king, and you're going to you're going to renew your bond with him. He's going you're going to follow what Hashem wants you to do. So, so the Alter Rebbe, before explaining everything, he, he introduces this specific brisa from Yuma, where you get this picture in this brisa. The brisa says that kapara accompanies the tshuva. The whole purpose, or more, not just a kapara comes with. Dr. DeBryce says three kinds of kapara. Kapara is part of tshuva. It's the goal of tshuva. When you learn about tshuva from a more uh, peripheral uh, perspective, there's no connection between tshuva and atonement. 
There could be different situations. You could do a, a, a sin which is weightier. There is no kapara. But you, could, but you still have to do tshuva anyways, even if this, this sin won't be rectified. So it sounds like tshuva is one thing and kapara is something else. If tshuva is about rectifying sins, so then it's understood that this approach, the Torah tells a person to, 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 uh, to do tshuva, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether, whether Hashem will um, fix the sin or not. But according to the Alta Rebbe, tshuva is not for a specific sin. Tshuva is about returning to Hashem. So the whole idea of tshuva is to go back to a situation where you're connected to Hashem. So what you're looking for when you're doing tshuva is that Hashem should allow you to, to, uh, to remove this blockage between you and Hashem. It should be connected again to Him. So although it's possible that there is a very weighty sin that cannot be removed, you still do tshuva, it's kind of like Yudavin. Yudavin to Eibesh, it's Mitzvah Davin. And although your goal in Davining is Hashem should answer your requests, but it's still Mitzvah Davin. Mitzvah Davin anyway is Mitzvah to search for Chometz. Why don't you find Chometz? So it's possible that uh, whether, whether or not Kapar is granted, your goal in Shuvah is to renew your bond with Hashem, to remove the things that separate you from Hashem. That's what Kapar means. That's what the Braisa means. By a mitzvah, I say the connection is immediately renewed. By Lisa, I say there is there is a yom kippur, but you need you need yom kippur to to cause this renewal in this bond. With way your sins, you have to have pain to cause this bond to be renewed. But the whole goal of the shuvah is the kapara is renewal in your bond with Hashem. So the whole purpose of shuvah is kapara. The purpose of shuvah is this bond with Hashem, and that's why the brayster says over here. There are three kinds of kapara, and shuva goes with each of them. The getting uh, okay. Well, uh, tomorrow we'll go back into the uh, the safe and why it's called the end of yuma. Rish Hashem, don't stop now. What's the what's the rush? Where are we going? I don't know where you're going, but uh, I'm already, I'm already we're, here. Well, we're going. We don't need roads. A great day, Mordechai. A great day, Yonatan. A great day, Rosef. Zacharama.